All right, so I want to lay a foundation for this message, and we're going to begin in uh, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 4. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit, and there are varieties of ministries, and the same Lord, and there are varieties of effects. But the same God who works all things in all persons. All persons. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit. To each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, and to another the effecting of miracles, and to another prophecy, and to another the the distinguishing of spirits to another various kinds of tongues and to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually, just as he wills. First Corinthians, chapter 14, verse 26. What is the outcome then? Brethren, when you assemble, when you assemble, each one has a psalm, each one has a teaching, each one has a revelation, each one has a tongue, each one has an interpretation. Let all things be done for edification. And Acts chapter 2, speaking of that, Ron was referring to this area of the Bible earlier. Acts 2.43. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe. And many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. All those who had believed were together. And had all things in common. And they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all as anyone might have need. And day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple, breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. The Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. Father, uh, we come before you this morning and are in your presence even right now in the name of Jesus Christ. We pray that what we hear would not be jumble of words or clanging cymbal or banging gong. But that, Spirit of God, you would speak clearly. 
and manifest your mighty name and your mighty presence among us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now, my wife gets a little discombobulated when we start talking about Christmas before Thanksgiving. Uh, and last week it was mentioned about the shoeboxes, and, uh, and, and that's all great and fine. So, Gail, I need you to, you to forgive me this morning because I'm going to talk about Christmas a little bit. And I'm not going to actually technically mention Thanksgiving. But I want to talk about Christmas songs a little bit. There are some tremendous Christmas songs, some beautiful Christmas Christian songs that I I never get tired of singing or hearing. Silent Night, O Holy Night. There are some terrific non-Christian Christmas songs that I Always enjoy. They're so well written. Uh, Silver Bells. I like that one. Um, it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. You know, those kinds of songs. The, the Christmas Song by Mel Torme. Uh, Tiny tots with their eyes all aglow will find it hard to sleep tonight. And so I offer you this simple prayer from kids from 2 to 92. That's a great song. <clears throat> There's one song, however, that I detest. And I, it's bordering on hate. And whenever I hear it, I kind of sort of start my fingers, start heading toward my ears. Because I, I just don't never have liked this song. It's called Little Drummer Boy. Now, the one, the, the version that I listened to in preparation for this had 23 parumpa-pum-pums in it. And that's about 22 too many. <laughs> parumpa-pum-pum. I mean, whoever thought that that was a song that would make... Goodness gracious. I could write that. Parumpa-pum-pum. <clears throat> However, you can find something good in anything kind of bad. So, I am going to read to you the words of this song without the parampa pum pums in it. And if you want to add those in because you like that. Now, I do like doo-wop music from the 50s. I do, but this parampa pom pom stuff, I don't particularly. So. Come, they told me. A newborn king to see. Our finest gifts we bring to lay before the king. So to honor him when we come. Little baby, I am a poor boy too. I have no gift to bring that's fit to give a king. Shall I play for you? On my drum, Mary nodded. The ox and lamb kept time. I played my drum for him. I played my best for him. Then he smiled at me, me and my drum. There's some significance in those words. 
I want to share with you this morning. We come bearing gifts. We come bearing gifts. In the beginning, in Acts chapter 2, there was a sense of awe. These newly converted, newly water baptized, newly spirit filled believers were filled with awe. There was a mighty sense of expectation in the air around them of the mighty signs and wonders God was doing in and through them. In and through them. They didn't want to miss anything. They wanted to be together. They might miss something. Have you seen this commercial that's been on recently about the they're gathering these groups and the, the guy goes to the door to get the pizza that's being delivered. And just at that moment, the winning goal is scored on the TV and he's missed it. Or he looks down at his phone and the, the winning basket's made and he misses it and he's all depressed. Or they are. Because everybody else saw it and he didn't. Anybody seen that, that commercial? Some of you have. Well, these brethren in Acts didn't want to miss it. They continued together in one mind and they were with sincerity of heart and gladness. Because the expectation was that at any moment something mighty was going to happen and they wanted to be, a, be there and see it. When I trusted Christ as my Savior and was spirit baptized some 45 years ago, I was attending a little meeting in Cullowee at Western Carolina University. It was just 10 or 12 students and a couple of professors. And we met on Saturday night. And here we were, 20, 21, 22-year-old kids meeting on Saturday night while the rest of the student body was, as my Grandpa Woody might say, oot and a boot. And you probably know what oot and a boot on Saturday night means for the average person. Well... How I looked forward to that meeting every week. It was the highlight of my week. There was such anticipation, such expectancy. We started calling it Saturday Night Live after the TV program. And it was alive. We, we were getting to know our Savior, our Lord. And with each song we sung, we seemed to grow closer. We were young. We were foolish. We were in love. We came early and we stayed late. It was a, a celebration. Recently, I took my, or I took, I paid for my son and my two of my sons-in-law to go to the Darlington Southern 500 race. And I don't know if you, maybe, I know many of you have gone to things like weddings or races or ball games where there's such an anticipation of the beginning. And when the cars are going around the track and are about to punch the, the pedal and get up to about 180 miles an hour, that's pretty exciting. At least it is to me. 
There was such anticipation at the start of the race. There was such anticipation of going to these meetings. And then I got married. And then I got a job. Or maybe I got a job first. And then I had kids. And they got older. Then I had responsibilities. And then I got busy. And then the day came when I realized it was, hey, we better get in the car or we're going to be late. Or you better go in and change. You ain't wearing that to church. And it was, do I have to go to another meeting? What happened? God didn't change. He didn't move. What happened to my awe? What happened to my gladness? What happened to my sincerity of heart? What happened to my anticipation? And so once again this morning I find myself preaching to myself and you get to listen in if you choose to. For I am indeed of restoration, as I have been for months, as you well know. The closest pattern to New Testament worship that I can see in our Bible is found in 1 Corinthians chapters 12 and 14. And Paul says in chapter 14, verse 26, which we read, when you assemble, when you assemble, here we are, assembled. And in this assembly, in this assembly, there is the possibility that each one of us has a psalm, a teaching, a revelation, a tongue, an interpretation, a prophecy. In other words, this is the body of Christ. Jesus revealing himself in and through the body and each one. Each one have I, have you entered this house today presenting ourselves to our Father as a living sacrifice, making ourselves available to him, saying, Lord, here I am. I have a gift to bring. And again, in chapter 12, Paul says, God works all these things in all persons. To each one is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. A word of wisdom through this person, a word of knowledge through this sister, a prophecy through this brother. The effecting of miracles. Through the body of Christ. Well, surely there's a mistake. I have no gift to bring that's fit for a king. I am just a poor boy. I'm not part of the each one. I'm excluded from all. Well, if that's my attitude, then I may as well turn my face away from Jesus and call him a liar. 
Because that's not what the Word of God says. The drummer boy was poor and he was humble, but he had something, something fit for the king. And so do I and so do you. When you assemble each one, Holy Spirit in me, Holy Spirit in you, same Holy Spirit. There's only one Sunday morning, 10 o'clock meeting that takes place in this place each week. Only one. There are other meetings, Bible studies, projects to fix up the grounds, meals together, men's meetings, women's meetings, all are times of assembly. All are good, but there's only one congregational Sunday morning meeting each week. It should be special. Our King is here. Jesus is here. Holy Spirit is here. And what have I brought? Maybe I only have a little bitty drum. But I'm going to play my best. For him. And if I play my best, if I say to him, Lord, use me if you can, use me if you will. I may not think I have much, but what I have, I yield to you, Lord. And if you desire to minister through me today in this assembly, I'd be blessed and honored. But I'm available to you. If I give my utmost today, I'll find his highest. If I throw my gift into the common pot. After the little drummer boy played, the song says, Jesus smiled at him. The little baby Jesus smiled at him. This is what he wants. Jesus wants us to come together in his presence with anticipation, with awe. I'm trading my sorrows. I'm trading my shame. I'm laying them down for the joy of the Lord. I'm throwing off apathy. I'm being delivered from slumber, a bad attitude, weariness, responsibilities. Lord, create in me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of salvation. Psalm 51. I'm convinced that if each of us came through these doors with a sense of anticipation, with an attitude of God, here I am, I am open. Use me if you may, expecting to see, hear, learn something spiritually amazing than the atmosphere, and our time together would be transformed. There's a reason we call this a celebration. It's written right there. 
I got proof. And now, once again, for the third time this year, I ask you to turn to 2 Samuel 6.12. I'm sorry. Can't get away from it. 2 Samuel 6.12. Now it was told King David, saying, The Lord has blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that belongs to him on account of the ark of God. David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom into the city of David with gladness. And so it was that when the bearers of the ark of the Lord had gone six paces, he sacrificed an ox and a fatling. And David was dancing before the Lord with all his might. And he was wearing a linen ephod, which is like a pullover uh, robe. So David and all the house of Israel were bringing up the ark of the Lord with shouting and the sound of the trumpet. And it happened as the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, that Michael, the daughter of Saul, his wife, the queen, looked out of the window and saw David leaping, dancing before the Lord, and she despised him in her heart. So they brought in the ark of the Lord and set it in its place inside the tent which David had pitched for it. And David offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. And when he had finished offering the burnt offering and the peace offering, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord of hosts. Further, he distributed to all the people, to all the multitude of Israel, both men and women, a cake of bread and one of dates and raisins to each one. And all the people departed each to his house. But when David returned to bless his household, Michael, the daughter of Saul, David's wife, the queen, came out to meet David and said, How the king of Israel distinguished himself today. He uncovered himself today in the eyes of his servants' maids as one of the foolish ones shamelessly uncovers himself. One translation says, you're acting like a vulgar man. So David said to his wife, the queen, it was before the Lord who chose me above your father and above all his house to appoint me ruler over all the people of the Lord, over Israel. And therefore, I will celebrate before the Lord. And I will be more lightly esteemed than this. And will be humble in my own eyes. But with the maids of whom you have spoken, with them I will be distinguished. And Michael, the daughter of Saul, David's wife, the queen, had no child to the day of her death. David is so excited. The Philistines had captured the ark of the covenant. The most precious thing Israel had. And take it to, taken it to Ashdod. And placed it in the pagan temple of Dagon. For 20 years. And David and his army have finally recovered it. And are bringing it back home. David is so excited. He's dancing. Before the Lord with all his might. He's thrown off his royal robes. He's exposed himself down to his 
undergarments. They were shouting, rejoicing. The music was playing. David's clicking his heels. <laughs> Maybe he's turning cartwheels. Maybe he's doing the twist, the, the wind up, which is a song, uh, dance I invented. <clears throat> which I'll show you for free if you'll put your name on the edge of a $20 bill. I can send you a copy of it. They were shouting. The music was playing. David's carrying on with abandon. So great is his joy. But his wife despised him for it. She sees him from inside. She was his wife. She was respected. She was sensible. She was level-headed. Her opinion mattered to him. But this is the presence of God we're talking about. When I became a man, I put away childish things. You've probably noticed I'm not sucking my thumb anymore. That's a good thing. At least you don't see me doing it. No, I don't suck my thumb anymore. That's a good thing. Childish things need to be put away. But some childish things are worth keeping. When you see what David saw, when you feel what David felt, when you are absorbed in the presence of God as he was, You'll do what David did. <clears throat> Several years ago, I was at a meeting at the end of the last resort. I can't help but call it that. Charles Karen was a guest speaker. Melissa knows him well. Maybe some of the rest of you know Charles Karen. <clears throat> he now lives in Boynton Beach, Florida, I believe. Maybe he did then. I'm not sure. Now... <laughs> If you know me a little bit, I tend to be rather stoic, really, kind of unemotional, not too high, not too low. My attitude is kind of, well, if I don't have great expectations, I won't get disappointed. You know? I may see other people fall down under the power of the Spirit, but nobody's going to push me down. By golly. So, I was standing along the edge of the room as Charles was beginning to pray for people. And many of them, most of them, were falling down. He caught my eye and motioned me to come forward. And I did, and he barely touched me, and down I went. I laid there quite a while. And then I, I roused myself up to a sitting position. 
And I just sat there trying to soak up the presence of God and the peace that kind of comes when you're in the presence of the Lord and trying to understand or hear, Lord, just here I am. Speak to me. So I was sitting there and soon a lady fell very close to me. And I watched as she was laid to rest. No more than two seconds later, she reached up and adjusted the collar of her lovely white sweater. And instantly, Charles Karen knelt down to her, took her arm and said something I will never forget. Something profound. He said, oh, don't be so proper. Why do I find that profound? Because as quickly as Charles said that to her, Holy Spirit said to me, you cannot fix your eyes on Jesus and at the same time be self-conscious. You cannot fix your eyes on Jesus and at the same time be self-conscious. And after a moment of chewing on that word, I looked around again and I saw Sally Festerman laying on the carpet. Now, if you know Sally, she's now over 90. She has always been one of the most meticulously dressed persons I have ever known. Not a hair out of place. She looks like, and I think she used to be a model, right? She, she looks like a model all the time. All the time. She probably sleeps like a model. I don't know, but she is like meticulous. Isn't she? She is. She was laying on the carpet and she was an absolute mess. I am not exaggerating when I say to you, one of her shoes was off. And one arm was flung over another person's leg. And she was completely, totally oblivious to her appearance. And I thought, which one of these pictures do I want to describe me? Total and absolute fixation and abandonment to Jesus or self-conscious, prim and proper. David said to Michael, you haven't seen anything yet. I will celebrate before my Lord. And I will become even more undignified than this. I will risk humiliation. Because Jesus, you're worthy. Father God, you are worthy. You are worthy. And you're all that matters to me. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. 
And all the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. As Oswald Chambers says, my utmost for his highest. And Michael, the daughter of Saul, wife of David, had no child to the day of her death. Why is that verse in there? It's because when we stiff arm God, when we refuse to join in, when we remain a spectator instead of a participant, when we become a critic instead of a celebrator, when we do that, a barrenness comes to our spiritual lives. Our joy leaves. Our excitement dissipates. Apathy rises. Stagnation sets in. My brothers, I don't want that to be me. It is time that I, time that we, Get out of the house of Michael and into the street where the water is flowing, where the fire is burning, where the wind is blowing, to bring our gifts before the king. So come, come as you are. Come to the waters. You who have no money, come buy and eat. Come without cost. Delight yourself in the abundance of Jesus. Let's get excited again about Christ. Let's join the celebration. Spirit, come. Let your love run over. Pour it out. Here and now, let your glory fill this house. We sang it earlier. Did we mean it? Did we mean it? Or it was just a song? Spirit, come. Spirit, come. Let your run, love run over. Pour it out. Fill this house. Lord, I don't have much, maybe, but what I have, I give to you. I'm just a poor boy. I just have a drum. But God, you gave me the drum. You gave me a gift. You've gifted each of us, Lord. You've gifted each of us. We have something. And Lord, we want to arrive in this place offering what we have to you. Even in this moment as we speak, we give it to you, Lord. We present it to you. Lord, use us. Use us. Manifest yourself through us. Be Lord in this place and in this assembly.
Father, I know that when we do, you smile upon us. You delight in us. You delight to heal, to deliver, to set free. To change our lives, to change our direction, to give us a word of wisdom, a word of knowledge. A prophetic word which we desperately need. This is what we long for, Lord. And you've chosen to do it through us. So we present ourselves today, tomorrow, next week, next month, next year. With this attitude in us, Lord. That we will celebrate you. And we ask you to do mighty signs and wonders among us. We ask you to move upon us, Lord. We bless you. Would you stand with me, please? I ask you to stand. Now, I asked you earlier, maybe someone had a leading of how to end this meeting. Does anybody? Does anybody have a sense? Hallelujah.